Hey, listener, this is Jimmy Pardo from the award-winning podcast, Never Not Funny. You are listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Turn up! Hello there, I'm BF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Drew Hastings discusses his recent re-election as mayor of the small town of Hillsborough, Ohio. I'm a Republican. I'm not sure. your dad's Republican, but I'm still a Republican. I'm not even sure what that means anymore, actually. you got to fly some flag when you run. But my uh, opponent was a very liberal Democrat, and there was a lot of out-of-town money being sent to her. She outspent me like three to one, which is very odd that outside money would come into a small-town mayor race. We'll hear more from Drew in just a bit. We have the song of the week coming up from Little Mix. And I know I've been hemming and hawing over how to return fake news uh, to the program, but we're going to do it here as the dumb bit for this week, so enjoy. And now fake news with me. Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal announced Tuesday night that he is suspending his campaign for the Republican presidential nomination, saying he concluded he could not be successful in a, quote, crazy, unpredictable, quote, year. Ironic, since crazy is just what the GOP base seems to be looking for. Republicans have also been very critical of the present administration, implying the president should be doing a lot more to protect France. Uh, Where your freedom fries now. With a towering warship behind him, President Barack Obama announced Tuesday that the U.S. will hand over two ships to the Philippine Navy to boost its maritime security capabilities in a bid to show the U.S. and its allies won't be cowed by China in disputed waters off its coast. <laughs> Typical Obama giving stuff away. The White House has issued a formal veto threat of a Republican-backed bill to strengthen the screening process for Syrian refugees, saying the House bill would introduce unnecessary and impractical requirements to the system. The Republicans in Congress do plan to let some Middle Eastern refugees into the country, provided they have become pregnant without actually having sex. Charlie Sheen has gone viral. The actor announced this week that he is HIV positive. One of his former co-stars, Jenny McCarthy, said, playing even his love interest on the show back in the day, I go, ick, that's not fair, it's scary. I have sympathy for him because, you know, he's sick and it's awful, but man, he's going to have to take some major accountability with many people in his life, she said. McCarthy apparently convinced that HIV can be transmitted by acting. Donald Trump backed off a discussion of a mandatory database to track Muslims on Friday after a torrent of criticism from both Republicans and Democrats. I didn't suggest a database or reporter did, Trump tweeted. We must defeat Islamic terrorists and have surveillance, including a watch list to protect America. (laughs) Thanks for clearing that up, Donald. (laughs) For a moment, people might have thought you were racist. Senator James Inhofe said Wednesday that Americans would not agree to pay $3 billion President Obama has promised to contribute to the United Nations Green Climate Fund. The Green Climate Fund is the collective pool of money pledged by UN members to help underdeveloped countries launch projects to reduce their carbon emissions. Inhofe added that money could be much better spent invading one of those underdeveloped countries. What's in a name? Apparently a lot of expensive headaches. ISIS Books and Gifts in Denver has the misfortune of sharing its name with a terrorist group. Over the weekend, someone threw a brick through the sign outside of the business. It's the fourth time in recent months someone has vandalized the bookstore. It makes sense, though. When the terrorists come, they'll get us by opening bookstores. ISIS Books and Gifts, by the way, takes its name from the Egyptian goddess of childbirth and healing and is a spiritual store that has been in business for 35 years. And finally, this did happen a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to uh, comment on it. After 62 years of naked women inside the magazine, starting in March 2016, Playboy magazine will no longer publish photos of nude women. Now when you open a Playboy, eyebrows will no longer rise, along with anything else. (laughs) In other news, Oreos has announced it would remove the filling from its cookies, and Coke says it plans to take the carbonation out of its soft drinks. And that's been Fake News with me.
This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Drew Hastings is a stand-up comedian, politician, and entrepreneur who has just been re-elected mayor of Hillsborough, Ohio. Here now is our interview with Drew Hastings. Oh, P.F.? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. We, uh, we've spoken before good. a number of times. Yeah, I remember we had. I'm um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm just out here driving in Nebraska. Nebraska, wow, yeah. Hey, is it okay if we use the audio for this on my podcast like we did last time? Is that what we did? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Did you end up playing a podcast or did you transcribe it to an article? Both. I uh, played. Oh, the- you did both. Yeah, yeah. I, I took the I took the juicy nuggets from the. Uh, from the podcast, and it did that for the piece for City Beat, so it gets some butts in the seats at uh, Go Bananas, which is, I believe, what you were playing last time. And uh, yeah, and then the podcast, a little longer form, of course, people can you know get uh, to hear more of you that way. And uh, people around you the people, country and around the world. You people listen to the podcast? I got 4,000 listeners every week around the world, mostly in the United States, some in Canada, England, yeah. Korea. Okay. Yeah, yeah, a couple weird places cool. like that. So. So, uh, All right, that's fine. So, so what's new with you? I know you got reelected. Yeah, yeah. And how how um, how'd that go? Uh, it was um kind of grueling. Um, it was it was a contentious race. You wouldn't think it would be for a small city in rural Appalachia, Ohio, but. Yeah. It was. There was outside money coming in. Yep. Um, from my opponent, and um, you know, I'm a Republican. I'm not sure. your dad's Republican, but I'm still a Republican. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure what that means anymore. Actually, you know, that's just you know, you got to fly some flag when you run. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, but my uh, opponent was a very liberal Democrat, and there was a lot of out of town money being sent to her. She outspent me like three to one, wow. which is very odd that outside money would come into a small town mayor race. But yeah, I don't you know, that tells you where that. politics are now. I guess that, that maybe they'll establish, yeah. a, establish a beachhead in Hillsborough and then fan out from exactly. there. <laughs> maybe. Exactly. So, That's how cancer works. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious um, then, but I ended up beating her like, you know, close to a landslide and yeah. um so i'm back in there and um you know i'm all about you know in a way i take the model as you know i i grew up in cincinnati right and i'm real big on historic buildings oh, and that's right. yeah. yeah yeah and i see what's gone on in cincinnati particularly over the rhine and in a way, that's what we're doing with Hillsboro, um, is doing all this reuse and uh, trying to revitalize our historic uptown and 
you know, making it a place so that ideally, you know, these places that pay big money in for quaint little places in over the Rhine, you know, I can come to them in two years and say, look, we got fiber optic and we've got really cool buildings from 1880 and the rent is one third what you're paying in Cincinnati and you can leave your doors unlocked. Right. You know. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, I kind of keep it simple. Run the city like a business. Okay. So I'm curious, yeah. what, what kind of liberal uh, liberal ideas did your opponent have? What did you, uh, what did you want to do, like uh, health care for the whole well, town, or why? Don't, I'm curious. What? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of what she wanted, she was the party of not Drew. So, you know, there was an interesting editorial that was written that said, you know, this mayoral race was really about you can vote for Drew or anybody that's not Drew. Huh. And that really was how the race was framed. It was really, it was really about breaking away from a good old boy system that's been in place for a long time. Oh. And, and I really started doing that in my first term. That was a major thing, but a lot of them hoped it was a fluke. And the second term, they mounted a lot of money, and the the wanted to get their town back so they could run it the way they would. Uh, and we just weren't going to let that happen. I see. Okay. And so, so it wasn't quite so much her liberal worldview as she was put up as kind of a puppet, more or less. For a lot of other people I who see. had other agendas. That makes sense. Okay, so it wasn't really left versus right, more like old versus new. Yes, I okay. would say so. All right, interesting. I would say so. so uh, and then what makes it all more complex is old versus new, and yet I'm the Republican, so, you know, your stereotypical kind of thinking wants to go, well, he, why, you mean he's the new and progressive guy? Well, I was going to say that uh, what you were saying about the you know the old boy versus new boy system is at first you would think that like that about Democrats, but then you think you know well it makes sense because Chicago, Boston, places like that with you know the old Democratic machine as it were. Uh, so it kind of yeah. makes sense, and that's you know it could happen anywhere, I guess, even in Hillsborough, Ohio. Uh, how it is. I mean, yeah, power is power. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's true. Um, mm-hmm. How long have you been mayor? It's been a long time, hasn't it? Four years, and, oh, you know, and believe me, I am, I am not, well, I'll tell you what I'm proud of. I'm very proud of the fact that I'm still not mainstream at all, and I'm not a politician. And, uh, and part, of the, part of that is because I don't hang out with politicians um, much, and, you know, I try to remember why I ran, which was I was a pissed off citizen yeah that's right you know who was looking around going jesus who runs this place <laughs> hell i could do better than this and that was kind of my thinking when i ran and i i try to maintain that you know yeah well a lot, um, a lot of people say that you know, but not in an angry way sure but just in an indignant way and now how long right? have, how long have you lived out there you bought that farm what back in the late 90s? yeah uh nine years i've been out there nine years i okay. left hollywood nine years ago okay that's in right. fact it's funny i had um i just ran into bob odenkirk um oh wow you know, he's got a oh he's 
uh, Fuchsia, Better Call Saul. And yeah, yeah. He's right. done a lot of things. Breaking Bad. Anyway, so show. a friend of mine, he had directed two of my one-man shows in Los Angeles. And um, uh, he's directed a one-man show of mine right before I moved out of Hollywood and into the farm. And I, I, I was really surprised that it had been that long. He kind of reminded me of that. So, uh, uh, what what's new comedy wise for you then? I mean, know oh, you're going to be doing these dates that go bananas. You're you're driving through Nebraska now. Is is you're you on your way to a gig? Yeah, I'm actually doing just a couple of shows out here in Nebraska, Illinois. Um, I have not been touring um, uh, nearly as much as I was, and um, you know I'm kind of at a little bit of a crossroads. You know, because the hard part is. Um, you know, when you're mayor, when you're governing a city and you're actually working at it, you know, it's a full-time gig. Yeah, I think so. Um, and really, in a way, I look at it as a creative endeavor. Um, that might sound odd, but I think to be successful in this uh, environment, in this where we are as a country, I think you've got to be creative. Okay, so, yeah. you know, I look at it in a way as a creative endeavor, but uh, my my comedy and my writing has probably suffered some because of it. So I just did a show this last summer that I really liked. I put up a uh, storytelling show at the Redmore Theater in Cincinnati, and I kept it low-key. It was about 200 people, and it really went well, and... Uh, there's a lot of people that are pushing me to take that show on the road, kind of a, kind of like a David Sedaris type thing. And uh, so I'm looking at doing that now. Wait, can I, I have to put you on hold just for one second. Someone's at my door. It just never happens. Hold sure. On. Never mind. It was just FedEx. <laughs> they dropped off a pack. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say that um, you know you you come from a business background and running your own businesses, so you you have that acumen as well. And but they always say that you know government isn't necessarily a business. Uh, what have you, how much have you found that to be true? Is it pretty much the same, or are there still some differences? Oh no, there's differences. First of all, nothing moves nearly as fast in government, which is the big frustrating thing. Which uh. is why you don't get a lot of good, qualified kind of business people in government because it's frustrating. It moves slower. Um, I mean, I think we've speeded some things up, but it just by its nature moves slower um, than the real world, if you will. Yes. Um, And yes, though my background is business, you know, when I look at it, uh, you know, I've been a stand-up comedian 26 years. That's a long time. Um, you know, so that, that, that took a huge slice out of whatever business head I've been in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I know yeah. you've only, you've only run, uh, been running Hillsboro, but do you think that it's, do you think, is it, things move faster in smaller government? Because it seems the larger the business like a Procter and Gamble or some other large corporations I've worked for, the bigger the system gets, the more the left foot is unaware of what the right foot is doing, or the left foot starts contradicting the right foot, and you know, and an entropy ensues. 
Exactly. Oh, I would agree with that. Okay. I think um, I think lean and mean is um, the order of the day. Um, I think you have less chance for inefficiency, corruption. Um, yeah, left hand knowing what right hand is doing, um, and and I, we try to keep things small. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's always been my motto. To do, we're trying to do neat things like, you know, we have fiber optic out there, believe it or not, in the middle of rural Appalachia, and we're trying to divide that because, you know, everybody has to have the Internet, and everybody has to have streaming. Yeah. So we're trying to do, um, you know, I'm looking at it and saying, well, look, Time Warner uh, has a monopoly on this. Time Warner, you know, takes... Fifty, eighty, ninety dollars a month from every citizen in Hillsborough that gets sucked out and goes to Houston or Jakarta or Hong Kong or wherever it goes. <laughs> Why can't we do our own uh, fiber optic data services for citizens and keep the money local? And then you spend the money, and then it goes back into your streets and your schools and fighting this heroin epidemic or whatever. You know. No. So some of it's like, and that's what I mean, where you. Well, you try to get creative, yeah, and uh, see if there's other ways to do stuff. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't sound like a left or right issue. That sounds as what they say uh, a common sense issue. Uh, yeah, but it, believe it or not, it's very hard sometimes to make people see common sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'll get yeah. you. I, I, I find it hard to believe though. Progressive siding with Time Warner and going, "No, we need the monopoly, Drew." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, these guys are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and sometimes I'm proven wrong. Though sometimes you well, know yeah. people point out, you know, oh well, this really can't be done because of economies of scale. Yeah. Um, or you know, it's a, a eighty million dollar infrastructure you have to build first, or you know, somebody can come back and yeah. tell me something. I'll go, okay, all right. Well, I thought it would be a good idea. All right, let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. But we we explore stuff, you know. Yeah. And um you know, that's something we're looking at right now. So uh you said it's it's kinda of taken away from your comedy writing though, but you still have time. Yeah, to, I was like, just thinking about that. <laughs> you, but yes. in the in the course of your day though, I'm still don't like they always did before you were mayor, don't things happen as you are doing your mayoral duties that you're like, Oh wow, this is kind of a funny observation, write down a little note and then, you know, take that home at night and see where it goes. Yeah. Um you know, I'm right now. I'm writing some. I'm I'm kind of loosely writing a funny piece called "The Mayor's Guide to Governing," uh, which would be kind of a funny look at citizens and, um, in a way, how the government views the public. You never see that. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah yeah yeah. You never see that, and. And to write that kind of comedically, like, okay, here's a kind of asshole citizen all government people hate. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the kind of citizen that's um, hard to deal with, but uh, means well. And, you know, and and kind of lay it out like that. Just have fun with it, you know. Because face it, I mean, it it, it would be no different than than somebody writing about customers at, um, at, Dillard's, you know, you could write a book oh, about yeah, the yeah. kind of customers that come into Dillard's. It's the same thing with the citizen, you know. Well, how engaged is the citizenry of Hillsborough with the government? 
say that again. How engaged is the citizenry of Hillsborough with the government? More than the average American? Less than the average American? Uh, I'm not sure. There are people that are very engaged. Very engaged. And there are people that not at all. You know, I was out last week and I, the election was over. And one of my yard signs was sticking in a yard. And uh, this young, maybe 21-year-old kid comes out the front door. And he's kind of looking at me. And I said, hey, do you want me to pull my yard sign out of your yard there? And he says, oh, is the election over? <laughs> oh, man. I said, yeah. Oh, and he goes, who won? <laughs> I said, well, I did. Oh, and he goes, oh, cool. And he turned around and walked back in the house. So you have people that are barely clueless, a large percentage of the electorate. Yeah, yeah, especially in an off year like that, too. And, uh, you know, it's there's only lo- mostly yeah. local issues uh, on the ballot. My daughter yeah. voted in her first election this year. Very exciting. Huh. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, again, kind of a dud of an election in that. We had, well, we had the, the three statewide issues, and we had a trustee race here and a couple of judges in the county up. But um, so, but still. Right. Yeah. Well, the um, issue three, I had some fun with that. You know, I was, uh, uh, I was talking about issue three, and I said, well, you know, a lot of the pot lobbyists um, are having meetings behind closed doors with rolled up towels down at the bottom of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I, it's ironic that it's called a, a marijuana initiative because I've always found that initiative is the one thing marijuana kind of knocks out of you. <laughs> so, there you go. It, it was an interesting, um, interesting uh, issue, I think, for Ohio. I think a lot of people that even were for uh, legalizing marijuana were against this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, the way it was handled. And, and I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see that it wasn't, you know, people that are pot smokers saying, hey, we want pot at any price. Right. And they weren't willing to say that. And I thought that was really good. You I, know? Yeah. yeah. We want to legalize marijuana, but we want it done right. And um, so you get, and that that's a perfect example of where, you know what? Sometimes citizens do think uh, and really look at the issues and study them. Yes, I, I didn't. St- I still so. understand issue two. What the? Uh, I mean, it it sounded good on the face, but I couldn't even understand what the argument against issue two was. But I was immediately suspicious because it was drafted really only to combat issue three, and I thought, well, maybe exactly. that's, that's still a good idea. And then issue one, I thought was curious. Issue one, of course. Uh, did really well uh, uh, for folks out there not in Ohio. It was uh, what they call the anti-gerrymandering uh, bill. Yes. And uh, but I'm surprised that even it, I think it was like 60 to 30 or 70 to 30 or something. Who's that 30 percent that thinks no, no, we need gerrymandering. This is a great idea <laughs> on either yeah, side. Right. Yeah, that just baffles me that that people would vote for. It. I mean, I, well, I guess if if you know if you're in an area, if you're in a Democrat area and it's working for you, or in a Republican area, and it's been working for you. I guess that's who's voting for it and saying, "Oh no, no, let's keep it the way it is." So, uh-huh. yeah. So, uh-huh. so again, so what else, comedy-wise, is is up with you, or is, is all the time just being taken up with being mayor? No, um, you know, I, I definitely, uh, it's a bit of a schizophrenic um, process to go from 
my role as mayor into a creative mode. You know, it's funny, uh, yeah. you know, you're sitting there having meetings on economic development and how we're going to combat a heroin epidemic and um, um, trying to get Wi-Fi into our uptown area. And then you're trying to switch gears the next day and be hilarious and off-color and using the other side of your brain um, and trying to be very improvisational and not measured at all. Yeah. So um, it works, and it works for me, um, but it's it's definitely a dance. I mean, you've got to uh, you've got to get your mind kind of right. And um, like this uh, this show I'm doing upcoming at No Bananas will be fun because I'll be doing some older material, some new stuff. Um, I'll probably do some stories. I, I like doing long form stories. So I've got some that are, you know, 10 minutes long, which is long to stand on a, a comedy stage. And oh, yeah. Put a piece out. Um, but I'm working on some stories. And um, I just, uh, I like commentary, you know, on the state of the world. So. Oh, yeah. Always been. Uh, well, let me ask you this. What do you think of the uh, the presidential race? I think it's very interesting. Um, you know, I'm a little... You're talking to a guy who's rather cynical, um, and people Ditto. would ask me early on, uh, you know, a few months ago, what is this Trump phenomenon? Why are people so for Trump? And I, I, I said, well, I think this is a lot of people's last mainstream option, they feel, before we go to blood in the streets. And I personally think uh, this country is closer to blood in the streets than um, probably the mainstream media would give it uh, would would give credence to. Um, there's just a lot of there's a lot of anger in this country from both sides. Sure. And there and there's a lot of ideological stuff going on. And um, you know it's funny. I used to do a thing on stage. Uh, oh, five or eight years ago. And I used to talk about workplace shootings. And I had a theory that workplace shootings are a political act. Only the shooter doesn't even know it's a political act at the time. And the media would always report workplace shootings as, well, this was an isolated incident. And my argument is, well, how many isolated incidents do you have to have before you tie them all together and it's a movement? And I think, in a way, that's come to pass. Now, it isn't necessarily workplace shootings, because there aren't that many places to work. But, um, and people are working from home. And so a lot of these murder-suicides you see, where a wife kills his family and kills himself, they're self-employed people. So in a way, they're workplace shootings. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, in a way... I think there is a revolution going on in this country, but right now it's done by individuals. And in a weird way, that's what America's always been. America doesn't like group efforts. America is very Clint Eastwood, individual, I'm going to do it my way and make my statement. And so 
the, what we're seeing pans out, panning out, to me, makes sense. Doesn't make it right. Yeah. Or wrong. It just makes sense in a weird way. Yeah, I wonder how much of a revolution it's going to be, though, when you have that young man like you have in Hillsboro who doesn't even know who won the election, even though he has a yard sign out in front of his house, you know? That's the one. And the, no, and the other thing is people, you know, people always you say, oh, well, people shouldn't get their news from comedians or comedy shows like The Daily Show and things like that. Well, a worse place to get news from, and a lot of people do, is memes on Facebook, which are, you know, That's right. are horribly. And on this podcast, as one of the features we do is called It's Facebook, Not Factbook, where I take one of these memes yeah. and I look at it and like, it takes you two seconds to look up that this is wrong. Or mostly yeah. wrong, and people won't even do that. So I'm just wondering, you know, what I guess a small percentage of it be, be like. I guess in Cuba, there'll just be a small group of revolutionaries, and everybody else just follow behind them when something starts happening. Maybe that's how it's going to go. Yeah, you know, that's funny. You you kind of put it that way with Facebook and everything, because at the end of my campaign, um, my opponent was doing what's called a whisper campaign, which was. Um, saying things on Facebook and having people say things. And they were going door to door and saying um, really far-fetched stuff that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't um, stop them because you don't know they're out there doing right. that. Right, yeah, yeah. And I, I ended up doing a campaign motto towards the end of my campaign that said, hey, my motto is believe your own eyes, not your ears. And it really mm. was exactly about what you're talking about. It was, look around you. You know, um, does this city look like it's on the way up or on the way down? Does this city look better off than it was two or three years ago or worse? And you have to believe your own eyes, not your ears. And that was specifically a fight against um, how people use the media um, to just lie and distort. Yeah. And, I, and I ended up winning because of that. The, the guy here, the trustee that lost here, said the same thing, that there was a, a Facebook campaign against him, which I didn't see. And I'm on Facebook a lot. Facebook knows where I live. I didn't see anything. The only thing I saw, well, I had to dig this up, was um, because I wanted Hannah to be able to you know, make an informed decision on voting on trustee. And our local TV station, uh, Fox 19, which is notorious for doing um, a lot of false equivalencies, did a report on this trustee about how he made this horrible deal to build this development behind our abandoned shopping mall. And uh, the thing went south, and the township lost $6 million, and his only response was, well, maybe it's President Obama's fault. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's where my $6 million uh, went? So right there, I was like, no. And, you know, but he's, yeah, he claimed Facebook is what, what uh, killed his campaign. So I don't know. But what makes sense, yeah. in, your, in your case, you know, people can go door-to-door in a town like Hillsborough. And really, in a township like this, there's only 40,000 people. You could do it go to enough doors and just to say hey you know and completely off the grid and uh yeah good old-fashioned door-to-door politics uh-huh. bad old-fashioned i guess in that case well uh, uh good talking to you again sir i appreciate you taking the time and um we're gonna make it out to hillsborough one of these days and check out what you've been up to because uh, we like going to the well, small towns fact, yeah uh, one of the things i've done uh in what little extra time i have is i'm i've really been trying to get a coffee house open oh, neat. Uh, for a couple of years and because uh, I'm a huge coffee aficionado, yeah. And um, Ditto. Uh, I've got a little building right next to the courthouse, and I'm calling it Sufficient Grounds. Oh, so nice! It be fun. I like that. And awesome. uh, but I would say anyone out to my shows out there at Go Bananas, 
the one thing they can usually always expect it's a lot of political incorrectness. Sure. And um, you know somebody's got to just uh, not pay attention to uh, whatever the rules are that people are trying to make. Exactly. I mean, I think it's just so far out of whack that it's uh, laughable anymore. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's a big issue these days. Well, all right, sir. Yeah. Good luck at, the, with, at Go Bananas and uh, with your tour out there in Nebraska and Illinois and so forth. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. You got it. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Drew Hastings for being on the show. You can catch Drew well. You're going to have to wait to catch Drew until uh, sometime in 2017. Uh, his last date in 2016 is November 22nd, the day this show drops at the Backroad Saloon in Marshall, Michigan. So if you are downloading this on Sunday and uh, you are in that area, do go see Drew. And he has a corporate show December 11th at some undisclosed location. Uh, so just go to DrewHastings.com for all your Drew Hastings needs and find out more about the man. Uh, he's uh, quite a character, as they say. He's always been a favorite uh, down here in Cincinnati, of course. And let me see. Uh, I guess I'm just going to forego the uh, the uh, credits because I just don't feel like doing them. And we're going to skip right to the song of the week. Uh, the song of the week is from Little Mix. Don't know if you know much about Little Mix, but um, they are a manufactured group. <laughs> They're, I guess, what you'd uh, my friends used to call a record company band back in the day. And they were assembled for the X Factor show in Britain. They all uh, auditioned as soloists, but then they got stuck in two different groups because the judges saw some kind of talent there. And anyway, they have ended up together as the group Little Mix. Uh, the song was written for them, uh, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, you know, back in the day in the Brill Building, they used to do that you know, in the 60s. And in fact, the song kind of has a bit of a 50s, 60s vibe to it. And, you know, as a pop song, it's quite good, actually. So that's why it is the song of the week. Uh, here is Little Mix with Love Me Like You Do on PS Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening.